Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Jeffrey, how can I help you? Hi, good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I uh, have a project that my wife and I are uh, attempting to do. Um, we uh, have a small accent wall that we wanted to use uh, weathered wood on. Um, I know that's kind of a new thing going on right now. And we recently had our fence uh, replaced uh, on our property. And I was thinking about using that wood as the material uh, to put on the wall. Um, We saved a bunch of the panels that they took down uh, during the replacement. And I've gone ahead and, you know, uh, washed them really good with like a deck cleaner solution and then sanded them down if they, you know, somewhat you know, rough or whatever. Um, but my question is, is that a good material to use for that kind of, you know, weathered wood actually? Was it, was it cedar or was it treated wood? So I think it was cedar, actually, because I if can it's feel cedar, a lot of them. That is, yeah, if it's cedar, you'll be just fine. It, that works out very well, and, and uh, honestly, a lot of times that's what's used. i got to take a quick break. I'm going to have put you on hold and if you have further questions we'll keep going with that in just a moment when we left i was talking with jeffrey and we were talking about putting uh, wood on the walls he had an old wood fence that he took down and he's wanting to do some uh oh some nice oh what are they called distressed wood look on the walls and jeffrey you had some more questions on that and I'm, i apologize yeah. for having to take off so quick on you Oh, no worries. I understand. Um, no, I just had a follow-up uh, question or two about that. So is there a special type of uh, glue uh, that you recommend to use for this type of application? Um, I know liquid nail seems to be popular, but I don't know if there's a special type we should consider in putting these uh, planks on the wall. And you're just going over sheetrock, right? Correct, yes. Okay. You can use liquid nails. It's been the, the standard for decades already uh gorilla glue works very well one of the things i like about the gorilla glue is as it uh takes on the moisture it expands to to lock in well but truthfully just some uh hammer and nails or if you can get an air gun that uses the little brads yes mm-hmm. and go straight into the studs that's the best way to put them up there okay okay um, we were actually going to consider that as well, so that's great to hear about that. And then just finally, when we were prepping the wood, um, I noticed when I was sanding some of the planks that like a white fibrous cottony material would come off of the planks on there. I didn't know if that's just indicative of the cedar itself or if that's some other thing that's you know, happened as it's been outside exposed to the elements and maybe something we want to avoid using on the walls there. So a, a, a white, what type of, almost like cotton, you said? Yes, yeah. When it was when we were standing the wood down, um, it, yeah. you know, it kind of had a white cottony substance that would come off on the, you know, the sandpaper and so forth. I just have never seen that happen, you know, in working with wood. So I didn't know if that's just a trait with using cedar, you know, as it's exposed and everything and, like and that. And did it only do it towards the surface or did it do it more right. as you got deeper? No, well, it only did it towards the surface. I'd probably use okay. a, a planer on it. It'd probably go away. It's just on kind of the surface there. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just termites. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> I, I'm messing okay. with you. Yeah. It, it, no, it, it's 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 just actually from the the uh, surface of the wood being so dry. Okay. It, it almost turns to a powder like when it's coming off. Okay. And okay. so, yeah, it won't be anything to worry about. Great, great. Well, hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sarah in Plano, how can I help you? Hi. I was wondering if you recommend putting laminate over tile. I mean, if you want to change the way your floors look, that's fine. I normally don't like putting floor on top of floor, but your laminate is going to be a floating floor. The issue that, and the reason I don't typically recommend it, the issue you run into, the laminates require a nice flat surface and your tile tip you know typically isn't totally flat you got the the grooves for the grout lines and some tiles even have little waves in the top of them Mm -hmm. and so normally i don't recommend it so you recommend removing the tile and then doing the laminate in most cases, yes. Was going to install rolls of foil radiant barrier on the underside of the rafters, then thought, why not simply tack on the three-quarter to one-inch rigid board with the foil face to the underside of the rafters? Is there any negative or downside to doing this? None at all if you got nice deep pockets, because when you do that, you're paying for foam, that's not going to do you any good. And I say that because uh, the radiant barrier blocks heat transfer. So that single foil radiant barrier that's on the bottom side of it will still actually help block the heat that's coming into the home. But the styrofoam, unless you're doing uh, you know, air conditioning and heating the space, the foam will have zero effect. And so you're going to spend a lot of money for that foam that's going to do absolutely nothing in the attic. You actually would be better off to go ahead and just purchase the uh, the rolls of foil like you were going to do and put that up. Now, what I would really recommend you look at if you're doing the attic that way is to also take a look at the radiant barrier that you can lay on the attic floor. It comes in a multi-layer system. It lays on top of the insulation, so it keeps the heat that gets into the attic from getting down into your insulation, which makes the insulation work better and makes your home more energy efficient. Will the radiant barrier on the roof rafters help? Absolutely. It will lower the temperature in the attic, but you're still going to get some heat in there and some heat in there. And the way insulation works, the reason it has an R factor is the higher the R number, the longer it takes the heat to transfer through the insulation. Well, if you got a radiant barrier right on top of the insulation and you're protecting the heat from hitting it, the insulation just does a better job than if it's heating up. So take a look. I mean, uh, there's several different ways of doing it. Charles, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. I, I got a question about floor, and I have an older home, a good solid home, and I want to go back. Uh, it's right now it has, a, I guess you call it linoleum on the floors. Uh-huh. It, everything is pretty solid and flat. 
and I want to go back with either laminate or wood flooring, you know, to click and lock tight. Yeah. And I looked online, so, you know, I, I, I do, do a lot of searching and stuff, and they have what they call pre-floated uh, laminate and wood. And then they got the kind where you actually have to put the floating down. Now, my right. question is, uh, in se- several, I mean, several places I look at, I don't have to remove the tile. What do you think? The linoleum, I mean, what do you think? Everything is flat. If it's a nice flat linoleum and it's mm-hmm. it's adhered well no curling edges things like that you can actually mm-hmm. go over it with your floating floors okay because and it'll act as a moisture barrier to keep any moisture that would ever attempt to come up through from getting to the new floors and messing them up so absolutely okay. you can do that okay. if there's any curling edges anything like that mm-hmm. uh then i say no Okay, no, nothing's curling there. Like I say, everything is pretty flat. Well, I look behind my stove, uh, where the stove is, there's about a, maybe an eighth of an inch that's kind of curled up. And I figure maybe I can just cut that off with a with a razor. Yeah, if it's an eighth inch in one spot, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not going to tear it all out for that. Now, I okay. will tell you, normally, I do pull everything out okay. when I put down a new floor and, and go back with with all new same with the roof i I strip off the first layer of shingles before Mm -hmm. i put another layer of shingles on Mm -hmm. but when you're dealing with concrete slabs Mm -hmm. or or even a block and base pier and beam house Mm -hmm. the the advantage of leaving a linoleum floor down is it blocks that moisture from coming through it's glad to hear glad to hear that uh and i want to do some painting you know i got like the regular uh drywall but like uh-huh. in the in the living area it, it's an older home and it has some uh look like some paneling that what do you call it stuff they put on the cabinets veneer or something uh it's a little thin strip of stuff and it's been yeah. like varnished and stuff and yep. i was just i was just gonna prime it and paint over it my wife they take it down but you know i don't know how to do that with the heating heating gun and all that stuff well if, it, if it's a wood veneer and uh-huh. it's part of, I mean, even plywood is nothing more than a wood veneer. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you're wanting, you're, you're wanting to paint it, right? Right. I was just going to prime it, it and paint over it. Well, you, you won't get away with that. Okay. If, if, it's got, if it's got a finish on that wood, uh-huh. there's a, you need to get a deglosser first, oh, like a okay. peso, and okay. wipe it down. Because what that does is it takes the gloss off of it so that when you prime it it Uh adheres to the wood okay then you can go ahead and paint it you know prime it paint it and all that stuff okay okay thank you so much i had several questions i don't want to take all your time i'll call you back i got time you're you're fine okay now in the kitchen the uh countertop yeah is old old porcelain tiles also some of the walls in the restrooms and from reading and studying on it, it has some kind of like thick plaster, whatever it is, uh, yeah. and screen underneath it. Yep. So I, I know I could remove the countertop. You know, I saw how to do that, but I'm like, if I wanted to do the walls in the restroom, that that'd be a messy job. So I was just gonna cut it out and go back with drywall. Is that a good idea? Oh, that that is the only way you're gonna be able to do it. You're gonna find even when you start messing with those countertops, it's gonna be a, a messy job. 
Uh, okay. But yes, on the walls, when it's got the old, the old uh, lath type metal in there, and then the mud and everything, yeah, you're basically going to tear the sheetrock up behind it. So just figure on cutting it out, pull the whole thing out, and put new sheetrock, and be done with it. Thank when you, you put so the sheetrock, when you put uh-huh. the sheetrock in the bathroom areas, use a moisture rock like the green rock. Uh huh. So Watch that it uh, holds up to the to the moisture that's in the bathroom. Okay, okay. Now, I'll, thank you so much. I don't have to argue with my wife when I'm over. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> you take care. You too. Bye. And, oh, and just for everybody listening, green rock, the moisture rock, is not what you use in the shower or the tub surround. You have to use a concrete backer board in those areas. The green rock is for the rest of the bathroom. To resist the moisture buildup that happens in there. We have a problem with noise coming from the two extraction vents in our bathroom. The vents. The ones over the toilet and shower. When it's windy outside, it seems like something hitting against something inside the vents. We thought it was tree limbs hitting the house on the side of the house. The tree limbs was cut off and we can now tell the noise is coming from the two vents over the shower and toilet when it's windy outside. And this uh, is coming out of McKinney. Uh, Walter, well, Walter, inside the vents is a flapper so that when you turn the fan on, it opens up in order to let the air out. When the air, sh- when you shut the fans off, the flapper flips down and closes so that the wind doesn't just blow into the house all the time. And you're going to find that not only is it on the uh, those vents, it's also on your range hood should have that as well. And so you can get that noise in the kitchen area also. Not really anything you can do about it because it's literally just the wind flipping that little door inside the pipe back and forth. The one thing that can help it is if you take a look at where your vent exits the house, you can sometimes change the direction of the shield so that the wind doesn't hit it as much, uh, you know, which doesn't flip the baffle inside of the vent. Anthony, how can I help you? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, got basically just a starting point question. Uh, looking on, looking at taking on a kitchen remodel, and I'm going to try and describe the situation to you um, to give you a starting point. My kitchen and living room is separated by a large opening that's probably 30 feet wide, right? Okay. But the builder essentially cut corners and put in two uh, three-foot-wide load-bearing support walls um, instead of just doing the whole beam. And what it has done is functionally cut off the kitchen from visible side of the living room. It's just it's an obstruction, right? So we're trying to open it up. Um, had the load-bearing walls guy, uh, wall guys out there, and they said it can be done. But now I'm at a point where I'm trying to design, okay, we're going to have to reestablish where a new island is going to be located. Um, electrical is going to be have to be, uh, have to be uh, 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 drilled through the slab and out to the uh, backyard. Uh, then, of course, cabinets, uh, countertops. My question for you is, can you give me any advice, generally speaking, on what I should be keeping an eye out for uh, as potential problems on this type of project? And number two, do you have any suggestions?
suggestions on websites or uh, software programs that I can employ to kind of get some sort of mapping uh, uh, prediction going on before we really uh, take on the task. Honestly, I don't know of any websites that are going to address these kind of issues uh, because it, it's typically having to be done on a custom basis. I would tell you before I would tear into that type of project, I would have an architect come in and sit down and do the design with him. Uh, that way the, the spans can be calculated out because, you know, typically the reason that a builder will put those short columns like that on the ends is because the span is so wide that in order to span all the way across, the, the uh, joist would have to be so thick that it, it starts intruding into the living space. And so, yes, it can be done, but it's got to be really looked at how can it be done without being intrusive. Uh, and the same goes for, like, running the electric line you were just talking about out to the island. You know, typically an electrician's going to come in and say, well, let's, well we're going to have to cut through the slab here and we'll, we'll run a trench. Well, they can literally cut the slab in two, rendering it totally useless. And so it, it becomes critical that you have a an architect come in, do the design layout. They'll also help you do a, a new layout for the kitchen where how the cabinets will go and all that kind of stuff. Now you got a blueprint that you can work from, and if you're having to take bids on different parts of the job, here's what I need you to do instead of each one of them trying to design their portion of it. Uh, right. I, you know, and typically people think, oh, my gosh, it's going to cost me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for the architect. Yeah, you're going to spend a little bit of money on it. It is well worth it in order to have the, the one, the, the proper uh, layout as far as how everything is going to flow. But two, you're going to have to go pull permits on this. And those plans become very critical for getting all your permits and, and approval from the city to do all this work. Right. Okay. And then, uh, so then you're suggesting the architect be the one that help us with the layout of the location size and design yep. of the island and all that stuff. Yes, because, I mean, that's what that's what architects do. Gotcha. Now, now, typically, you know, like the beam structure we were just talking about, a, an engineer will normally run the calculations on that, but most architects will have somebody that, you know, will work with them on getting that part taken care of. Excellent. I appreciate your help on that. You bet. Take care, Anthony. Good luck with the remodel. And really, if you're doing, you know, a patio cover, something like that, you still got to take drawings down usually to get permits and all that stuff. But it's not the same as if you're building something from scratch or doing a total remodel on a structure. Uh, and if you get those type of plans, and this is just talking to everybody, you ever have something like that done or blueprints from a house was built, keep them. And if you sell the house convey them over to the next owner. They become critical down the road if work is ever needing to be done. James, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. I'm looking at a house in the Arlington area, 50-year-old house. The inspector said that it's got asbestos siding. Oh, you sent me an email last night. Yes. Yeah, I got that flag to use today, so 
let's go ahead and talk about this. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to figure out what that's going to do to any future uh, changes to the house down the line that I'm thinking about, which includes you know replacement windows, uh, running a water line into the garage, mm-hmm. actually trying to maybe make a new access door to the garage, a different one. Sure. Well. Here's here's the deal with the asbestos shingles. As long as you don't disturb them, they're doing absolutely nothing. In fact, you'll find that that, is, that those shingles are some of the best shingles that are available. Now, do you know exactly when the house was built? Uh, not exactly, but I do know it's a 50-year-old house. Okay. The, the reason I ask that... Uh, they were making some of those siding, in, and I'm assuming this is the ones that are 12 inches tall and about two, two and a half feet long, correct? The the shingles on the side. Uh, well, they 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 run uh, lengthwise uh, right. along the side of the house. Yeah, but yeah. they're about two feet tall and about uh, two 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 and a half feet long, and nailed on kind of like shingles are, where it overlaps each other. Actually, I think they're a little bit longer in the lengthwise, uh, not quite as, as tall. Okay. They may not be asbestos then. Uh, you may want to consider having it checked to see if they're asbestos. Uh, because the ones that were asbestos were typically, like I say, about 12 inches tall, two to two and a half feet long. And, uh, you know, they, they have a little texture to them, and they nail in the bottom, uh, t- there was typically three nails across the bottom, one in the middle and one on each corner. Um, as far as what you can do with them, honestly, as a homeowner, you can take them off and dispose of them in the landfill without any issues at all. When a contractor comes in and starts messing with them, now he's he, it falls under a whole new realm of rules and things that have to be addressed. And that's the main reason you may want to test it to see if it is uh, asbestos or not. You know, drilling the hole for the water line, no big deal. Uh, in your email, you mentioned for a dryer vent. Again, no big deal. When you start dealing with putting in a garage door or anything like that, uh, that walkthrough door, uh, now you're dealing with more than six square feet of it becomes a major deal uh it's got to be all asbestos abatement and all that kind of stuff can get rather pricey not that it's cost prohibitive but it it does get pricey where the the biggest issue i see for you though is if you go to sell the house you know just like you're having concerns if is, is it asbestos your next homeowner or potential buyer will have that same concern Honestly, in today's environment, if I was living in the home, I have zero concern about living in that home. If I was buying it as an investment, I would budget to have the the siding removed and put new siding on it. And I personally would go in and remove the siding myself and then have the siding put on by a contractor uh, just to, to get rid of it if it was asbestos. But I would test it before I did that. Mm-hmm. 
Now, secondary issue that you're going to have, given the age of that home, there's zero insulation in those walls unless it's been added. Uh, and so taking off that old siding would also give you access to add insulation, which upgrades the house as well. Okay. Are you buying it as an investment or to live in it? Uh, this was intended as a as living space. Okay. And I'm just, as you say, I'm now budgeting that in my brain with other things. Yep. Uh, I've kind of been saying that I probably need to blow out the kitchen, the cabinets are actually rather old, somewhat uh, out of alignment. Yeah. They... Well, like I say, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with it. And, James, I'm going to have to let you let you go. Or if you want, I'll put you on hold and come back to you after the news break because I do have to take a quick break here uh, for news traffic and weather. But if it was mine, uh, I would, like I said, test to see if it is asbestos or not. But I'm going to put you on hold, and, and uh, like I said, we can come back and talk about this some more. And earlier I was talking uh, about the asbestos. If your home has asbestos siding, you know, that was typically put on in the 50s, uh, and if your house was built, say, in the 20s, 30s, or 40s, it was very common that you had lap siding, and they came in and put the asbestos siding over it in the 50s because the wood always had to be painted. That, that asbestos siding held paint much better than wood did. The, all those hard shingles, though, that everybody thinks is asbestos, not all of them are asbestos. They did have some that weren't asbestos, and years later they made replacement ones that weren't asbestos so that you could repair any broken shingles and stuff. So just because you have those shingles that everybody assumes is asbestos, Test it before you do anything else. The other thing that on these older homes, and by older homes, I mean anything prior to 70, now I can't remember if it's 78 or 73, but anything you know older than that, when a contractor starts dealing with uh, removing sheetrock, siding, things like that, they got to be tested for lead paint as well. Uh, Honestly, I find it totally ridiculous, the, the regulations on the lead paint. Nonetheless, it's in the EPA rules it, that it has to be tested, and there's major fines if the contractors don't do the testing. So keep that in mind if you have an older home that you're dealing with. Let's head to the calls. And, uh, Mark, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim, this is Mark. I am getting a new roof uh, due to hell damage, and I currently have – uh, no, no ridge vents. I have just some solar vents, uh, those turbine vents, and a couple of just regular vents. And my roofer is suggesting to close those up if I'm going to get ridge vents to make it vent properly. Is that something that needs to be done? Yes. If you're going to use ridge vents, which I do highly recommend, then you would close up all the other vents except for the soffit vents because the way a ridge vent works, hot air rises, it goes out through the ridge vent, and pulls in new air through the soffit vents. If he also suggested maybe looking at this radiant barrier that you could put down when you take the shingles off. Is there such a thing that he talked about that you put on the, I guess, on the plywood? 
there is. Um, if you have a cathedral ceiling anywhere, I highly recommend you do that. But if you have attic space underneath your roof, then I normally would tell you, put your radiant barrier in the attic. I see. Okay. Well, that's what I wanted to know. I appreciate your help. You bet. Take care, Mark. You bet. And again, 214-787-1080. And we were talking about, you know, the hot air rises, air goes out through the ridge vent, comes in through the soffit fence. If you leave those old whirly birds or solar panels or solar fans rather, what happens is the ridge vent will start drawing air in through those because the air is going to come in through path of least resistance. And since those are closer, that draws the air in and it kind of leaves uh, stagnant dead air spots in the in the attic. So you, you would want to close all those up in doing the roof. Uh, Jim, we own a 2003 David Weekly home. We've noticed some large cracks in our brick exterior around our back door and around one large window. The siding above is also popping off and breaking off in places. We noticed a few cracks when we bought the house several years ago, and our inspector told us it was just poor workmanship. Do you think we could have a foundation problem or... Should we just look at fixing the siding? Well, I got to tell you, I've always loved David Weekly Homes. As far as for regular builders, they're one of the best ones I've seen out there. So I don't think, I, I, it'll really surprise me if it's a workmanship issue. The thing is, your house is 15 years old. The average homeowner starts noticing a foundation movement at about 18 years old. So you're getting near that time frame. And if you have large trees around the house or a sewer leak or something like that, you could see the problem sooner. The reason we see it at about 18 years old is that's when the trees are getting big enough that they're taking moisture out of the soil and causing different areas to move. So before I'd get too concerned, I'd get it looked at because if you catch it soon enough, you can avoid doing foundation repair by just doing some maintenance issues like some root barriers or irrigation and not have to deal with full-blown foundation. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.